Welcome. My name is Chase Bryson, and I'm the managing editor of Sports Stars Magazine. In our 10-plus years of covering high school sports in California, and specifically Northern California, we've told a lot of stories about athletes, coaches, teams, and epic games. For me personally, February 1st marked my 20th anniversary of moving to the Bay Area to cover prep sports. I've covered thousands of games and probably asked hundreds of thousands of questions to athletes and coaches over the years. But some of my favorite moments as a reporter have involved just sitting and listening to athletes or coaches tell a good story. The beauty of sports resides in the amount of people it touches and the lifetime impressions that certain people and moments can leave on an individual, all of which leads to great stories. This is a podcast that aims to bring that storyteller's dynamic to our listeners. We're going to pick the subject, find the coaches and athletes with the best anecdotes, and then get out of the way. This is Sports Stories. For our first episode, we're focusing on current events. As we record this on February 4th, members of the Golden State Football Coaches Community are attending their third in-person meeting with state government officials. The group is attempting to convince the governor and state health officials to allow all high school sports to resume after being sidelined nearly 11 months by the COVID-19 pandemic. The coaches and and other community-based groups like Let Them Play California have relentlessly compiled supporting data from other states who have played high school sports during this pandemic. They've also got letters of support from several health professionals and have helped spur some state legislators to sign on to a resolution supporting the movement. The primary face of this endeavor has been Sarah High School head football coach Patrick Walsh. He's got the message out by radio, local television, and even done multiple national television interviews on Fox News. Here's a few sound bites of him speaking during a virtual press conference he led on January 29th. Uh, the coaches and the parents who've come together to support the reopening of youth sports is fueled by love and love for kids. And uh, we're going to continue to use that fuel uh, as long as the kids are, are benched. We currently have 3 million kids on the sideline. Uh, they've been benched, benched since March 10, 2020. Um, and we feel that the data and science is pointing, pointing to a return to safe play for our California student athletes in all sports of all ages now. I, I hope all of you attendees understand that This is very real. This is a very real situation. Our kids are crying out for help. It's almost like that TV show Lost where we're sending out the beacon just over and over and over and over again to people to listen to our kids. It's time to get youth sports back. Uh, We believe we can do it. We're professionals. All these coaches love kids. We'll do it in a safe way. But Governor Newsom, uh, Jim Dabu, please, I hope you're listening to what's happening here today and I, we, we really appreciate a response. Um, we sit at the table with Dr. Galley. Uh, we believe we, we can work together to find a reasonable and safe solution for all the kids and all the community. Walsh has led the Sarah Padres of San Mateo since 2002. In 18 seasons, he's won 155 games, eight West Catholic Athletic League titles, five Central Coast Section Championships, and made three CAF State Bowl appearances, winning it all in 2017. But his first major contribution to Northern California football came at De La Salle High in Concord, where he's a member of the Athletic Hall of Fame. As a senior, he was the unquestioned leader of the 1992 team that began the program's national record 151-game winning streak. Walsh was also a talented baseball player growing up. He played both sports for De La Salle and San Jose State. 
Outside of his immediate family, few have known Walsh longer than his high school football coaches, Bob Latticer and Terry Edson. Neither find his current pursuit very surprising. The first voice you'll hear is Coach Latticer's, followed by Coach Edson. I, I think it's very noble in a lot of ways. I mean, I know he's working with Justin on it, and uh, I'm proud of both of them that they're taking such an active interest in, you know, the welfare of the athletes at their school. And, you know, I know they have to follow the science and they have to, they have to go by reg rules and regulations that the, the task force have, have put up, but they seem to have been able to meet all those challenges. And, um, you know, some coaches I, I imagine are kind of like, well, I guess the season's a wash and, you know, that gets me out of some work. But these guys, you know, they took on extra work in order to get out on the field and work and um, help these kids out. And I think it's a, a real noble en endeavor on their part. And I hope they're successful at some point. I, it's good. I know we're running out of time on it, but, you know, I really admire their effort and the, where their heart is on this. It has nothing to do with their egos or anything. I think it has everything to do with the students. So, you know, I applaud them. I mean, they know there's, there's, there's no playoffs. There's no, there's, I mean, we're not playing. They just want to play for the sake of, especially these seniors that, you know, are probably never going to play again. And, you know, and I remember when the first set the date of December 5th, <laughs> I remember thinking my, to myself, now, Call me crazy, but did Fauci and all these people been saying it's going to come back in the winter? And I go, and they're going to set December 5th as the starting date. It's like, okay. But then on the other side to myself, I said, which is what Patrick and Justin are doing. I said to myself, well, we're going to, have, you know, people are going to play by then and we're going to see how it worked out. You know, they're going to have uh, some data and some facts behind this and we'll know. And, and that to me, um, is, is like Bob's been saying, this is all about the kids. This isn't about them playing, you know, about a record or anything like that. This is just watching their players and what they're going through and, and advocating for them and, and doing it for safely. I mean, they're not just doing this <laughs> off the top of their heads. I mean, they're talking to medical experts. I mean, they're, they are very concerned. I mean, some people sometimes when people do things like this, you know, they think they're just, they're not, they don't care about the science or they're not looking into it. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. These guys would not be doing this if they didn't think it was safe for, or, or they wouldn't put their players in danger. Let's put it that way. You know, I mean, you can, someone can always pick up, it's a virus, but they wouldn't be pushing this if they thought it was putting their kids in harm's way. For those wondering, the Justin both Latticer and Edison referred to is current De La Salle head coach Justin Allenbaugh. He too has played a key role in the efforts of the Golden State football coaches community. And now back to Latticer again as he recalls Walsh as a player. The one word I, that immediately pops into my mind when I think of him is passion. I have never seen an athlete that was so passionate about what he was doing. And not just him as an individual, but he was passionate about creating a team too. A lot of people, when they talk about the 151 game winning streak, they, they, they thought, they asked the question, you know, what was a turning point or what, you know, 
what set you guys on that path? And I have one answer, Patrick Walsh. Because he took the reins of his senior year, his senior team, and that was the team that started the streak. And he was one of the most incredible team leaders we've ever had in the history of that school. He had that whole team in the palm of his hand. And uh, he did it through example and the way he worked and the drive he had and the enthusiasm he had and the way he could rally kids around him. And uh, it was unprecedented. I, I, I don't think I've ever had a leader at on any of my teams that, that uh, came up to his level. I mean, we've had a lot of great ones, believe me, but up to his level, no. He was the, he was the, uh, the match that started the fire. And uh, I, I always give him credit for that. I mean, he was, he was just, uh, and he played with so much fire and, and grit and, you know, he was a good runner. I mean, he wasn't a super talented runner or he didn't have blinding speed or anything like that. He just, he broke tackles and just spun and, you know, kept his feet churning and he just fought for every inch, every carry. And just to watch him on the field, it was like inspiring. And we were like, wow, look at this guy. And then as he moved on and went on, he carried that with him in, in college athletics too. But, you know, we created uh, a, um, you know, a highlight reel of his running. And we used to show it to all our backs for in the subsequent years. I mean, to a point where they didn't even know who he was. I said, well, watch this guy run. And you know, gave him the dimensions and what he was like. And he was, what, four, eight and a 40 maybe. And uh, these kids were just stunned. They were impressed. I mean, he was a great role model, not just for his team, but for the, the teams coming after him. So Patrick is a, a very special person. I love him. I love his, I love his passion. He's a nice guy. He, he really is interested in the kids you know, um, very dedicated to what he does. I mean, and very capable of what he does. Well, uh, Bob's right. I think, you know, the word passion or, you know, competitive, competitive spirit, like one of the things he's going to do right off the bat, if he hears this podcast, he's going to lose his mind when Bob says he ran a four, eight, I can tell you that, right? <laughs> he's poor, like more like a four, six, four, seven. But yeah, probably. He's, yeah. he's going to hear that four, eight, go, but I was not a four, eight. <laughs> that right now but Bob, I mean Bob hit him on the uh, hit, right hit, hit the hammer on, or the nail around the hammer on the head hit the nail around the head there with uh, his passion and you know we came off that 91 loss you know to Pittsburgh and and we had some issues you know with that team you know some leadership gaps and just some things we weren't too happy with and he, they were just bound and determined in that 92 season um and it was one of the, um, that team and Patrick, they're one of the greatest teams uh, in my mind I ever got to coach. Just just being around them on, on a daily basis, just the team. And they did everything right. All their team meetings were intense. They were great. Um, they set the bar really high. They did. And he set the bar really. I mean, after you had that season, it's like, man, I mean, 
you know, that they started the streak and it was like the perfect team to start with the tr streak and he was the perfect player. And for that, um, you know, he's passionate, <laughs> he's competitive, he's a little nuts, gotta be a little nuts to play this game. Um, and- uh, I don't like Terry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're two peas in a pod. But you know, there's you know a lot of our kids have done, of of done, of coached and are doing doing a really good job. But every once in a while, a kid will pop up that you just know it's you just know he's going to coach. Justin was one. Dylan Wynn is another one who's still playing in Canadian, but he's just going to coach. Tosh Lupoy was another, and Patrick Walsh. I mean. You just knew that when you coached him, like this guy is going to be, he's going to coach someday. You just kind of know when you see a kid like that. And that's not saying anything against, I mean, the other kids have got into coaching and have done great. I'm just saying there's certain once in a while, you just run into a kid and you know he's going to coach. Nick Jones, the head boys basketball coach at Monta Vista High in Danville, grew up with Welsh's younger brother, Nicholas. Jones was on the San Saramon Valley Little League all-star team with Nicholas, a team that was coached by Walsh's dad, Chick. And though Patrick was approximately five years older, he was often present at the Little League practices, helping out his dad. Jones can still remember the presence that Patrick commanded and the awe that he created among him and his teammates. So back in the day, I'll give you a little backstory here. Back in the day, San Ramon Valley Little League was the dominant Little League in Northern California. And this was in the days when everybody played Little League. There was different teams and all that bit. So, so our team going into our 12 year old year and the year before us, the 91 team went to the Little League World Series and lost to Taiwan on national television and the whole bit. So we had our all-star team. This, this will all make sense in a minute. And I was on the team and Justin Allenbaugh was on the team and Nicholas Walsh was on the team. Nicholas was Patrick's younger brother. Patrick's dad, Chick, was our manager. And this was, and my family was new to the area. So we didn't really know. And I was probably the last guy to make the team. So we didn't really know what we were getting into. I mean, we had lived here, but we were new to the San Ramon Valley, Alamo area, Alamo Danville. So we didn't really know what we were getting into. And it's the first day of summer and we've got a double day for, for Little League and whatnot. And it's these two hour practices and everybody's really intense and I'm intense, so that's good. And Patrick's dad, Chick's really intense. So anyway, so this was our summer and um, Patrick was around quite a bit because he was prepping for his senior year of football and everybody was kind of enamored with him because he was the big running back for, um, for Dale South football. So he would come to practice and we would hang out at their house and whatnot. And he was intense and a big personality that you, you kind of gravitated towards. People, younger kids at that point in time. So he was probably... 17 we were 12 we would we would gravitate towards him um he would like i said he'd come to practice a lot he would throw he would do batting lessons for us um and he was a big personality and then 
so we had our summer and we were really good. We kicked the, you know what, out of everybody. And we were in San Bernardino playing for the Western region. And we were playing Long Beach and Long Beach had a guy named Sean Burroughs who played with the Padres and the Diamondbacks, I think. And his dad, Jeff Burroughs was the manager and Jeff was the American League MVP with the Rangers at some point in the 70s. Anyway, and it was this huge game. We're 12 years old, and it's this huge game, and, you know, we're nervous and whatnot. And I I think Patrick and a couple of the other Dale Sal guys, I know Alan Baugh's brother, they must have had a day off or something, and they came from their summer workouts, and they came down for the game. And this is the winner's bracket championship. And the story that I change the story every time, but this part's accurate. Um, pa Patrick and his that Patrick and these ex SRV guys that played football, Dale Sal, and I think Damon Bowers might have been there too. He was at Monta Vista. Um, they came and they gave us this like speech before the game in the barracks, and we were all fired up. And you know, it was one of those deals where it's like, okay, hey, we're 12, and here's these guy, this guy that's the high school star at the time comes down and gives us a speech and he's he's passionate about it and he's fired up and we got all fired up and um we went played played the game the game didn't go very well for us um but you know i remember him coming down and giving that speech and him kind of being around our team a lot with his with his dad being the manager and um his brother being on the team just a few months removed from his speech to Nick Jones in the San Ramon Valley Little League All-Stars, Patrick delivered another speech. It's one that serves as the backbone to one of Edson and Lattister's favorite stories about Walsh. How many do you want, and how long do you want to go? Well, uh, let's let's hear, that might, let's that hear might your have favorite. To dinner. No, right. favorite. I guess there's, there's too many. <laughs> Harry, can you tell that? Can you remember the, the first team dinner? Yeah, no, it wasn't the what? No, it was but no. <laughs> I don't know about the you talking about the paper and all that. Yes, yes. That was before the Pittsburgh game, though. Oh, was it? Yeah, and so you know we yeah it was before Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. They brought it up. Remember, Ali stood up and said that was his fault. Never was going. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're at we're at a team dinner. You know, we're going to play Pittsburgh right in the regular season after that loss, right? And Bob can if embellish on too but i mean i can't remember you know these are story this is 1992 okay right. that's it's 29 years ago but walsh you know that this team was the most seriously no doubt about the team itself and walsh was one of the main guys the most intense team dinner so you know if you know team dinners you know we eat together we meet in our individual groups you know offensive guys our defensive guys, linemen, they kind of skilled guys, linemen meet, they set their goals, do their commitment cards. And then we come together and the coaches speak and then we end the meeting, the players get to speak, right? And so some teams, you know, some guys will speak and, you know, sometimes you're waiting there for five minutes, like, is anyone going to say anything? But we always let the silence just sit there. I mean, we don't get nervous. It's like, we'll just sit here. It's, it's fine. And eventually someone gets nervous and says something, but those guys were never like that. They were ready to go every team dinner, but this one was the Pittsburgh game. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so guys were going over talking about, cause a lot of them had played in that game that they lost in the Coliseum and in that game had driven them. 
through, I mean, they were just waiting, salivating for this game on the schedule. And they were, they just went through everybody, just unbelievable, you know, nothing was close. They, they handled everybody. And so everyone's going, it's getting real emotional and Walsh is gonna speak. <laughs> so we're all sitting there and he goes, uh, you know, we lost that game. I cut out every article I could find and I taped those articles on my wall. Above his bed. Above his bed. <laughs> and I forget if he had a fan or I opened up the, the summer when we were working our asses off. I'd open, my window would be open and the breeze would come through my room. And I could hear the rustling of those articles. <laughs> and all I could think about was how we lost that game and what I could have done better. Every single night of my life, I heard those papers. <laughs> I'm going, get this guy the ball tomorrow night, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, oh my God, every 90 years, the papers, you know. So. It was like you were tortured. He's, he, and he cost the whole thing himself. I set up my own uh, torture chamber. And he so. was, hey, he was dead serious. Oh, dead serious. And uh, I'm, I, I'm like, oh my God, I thought... <laughs> Did we take this too far or what? <laughs> Are we taking this too serious now? Or uh, but you start to worry about that a little bit, like oh yeah, God. but it was dead silence. And oh god, yes. He had that whole team captivated. <laughs> it was it was amazing. And he went out and that whole team went out and just ripped it up. And but I, I don't know, yeah. I don't have the stats in front of me, Chase, but I do know this. Um I knew he threw for a touchdown. Uh, we had a halfback option. I know he at least ran or a screen. He had at least four. I have to look it up. Four or five. I don't know. I do know that Pittsburgh had a great tradition, which I really thought was a neat tradition. And, um, uh, and that is at their banquet, they always invited what they called their opponent of the year. So the kid that got voted in is the one that did the most damage, you know, against them. They would invite him to their banquet and honor him with the opponent of the year. And Walsh won that hands down, <laughs> played against him that night. Oh, he just wrecked him. It was uh, play possessed. Yeah. Night. It, was it was unbelievable. But that story, oh my <sighs> God. Everyone was like, their jaws were like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that, that was uh, Walsh all the way. That is a yeah. That's there's there's Walsh right there, the microcosm of Patrick Walsh right there. And, and the thing about it, it's probably all true. The entire oh, yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. What a heart, man! What a heart. Yeah. No bigger heart. You can't like Lad said. You you can find guys with the same passion. You can't find anybody with more passion, more competitive spirit. You just, you can't do it. Yeah, no That's doubt. Like I said, he lit the flame for that streak. No doubt about it. Oh yeah, it. there's no doubt about that. Yeah.
Lattister's final story about Walsh also fittingly centers around a speech. It's the last one he gave to one of his teams. It was in December of 2019 at the CIF State Bowl Games. And three months later, COVID-19 would bring high school sports to a stop. I'll give you that start point that I gave you, but I'll give you an end point too. Um, When we we went out to uh, Cerritos to play our last uh, uh, state title game against uh, Bosco, and, uh, you know, I wasn't coaching. I was basically just a spectator and I didn't, I really didn't coach that year. You know, I'd watch films with Justin and the kids at lunchtime and stuff, but, um, Patrick was playing before us and, uh, we got to see the second half and his kids were scrapping their asses off. They were just, you know, they were overplayed like we were and, and his quarterback got, yeah, got hurt. And they, he, he missed the fourth quarter, I think, or most of it or all of it. Yeah. And uh, his kids just fought like demons. They were just hanging in there battling and uh, they put up such a good effort. So when the game was over, you know, our guys took the field and they shook hands and those guys were walking off and our guys were walking on. And they were gathering in the uh, practice field right off the main field there. And I wanted to, I just wanted to hang out there and see what Patrick had to say to those kids. And I did. And I was like, wow, you know, it, it was, you know, a lot of those kids were crying and a lot of those kids were so disappointed and Patrick's going around hugging them and saying how proud he was of them and the effort they gave and, and all that stuff. I mean, it was just, it was inspiring. And, you know, when he got kind of finished with it all, um, I walked up to him and I said, Hey, you guys did awesome. And he came over to me, gave me a hug. He goes, lad, I love you. You know, you just, you know, it was just a privilege to be here and everything. And, and for me, it was a privilege to be there too. And, you know, I told him, I loved him too. I said, I'm so proud of you, man. It's just incredible. And then he started introducing some of the kids to me and he's like, you know, uh, he's, he said like this coach here, he's this good coach lad. He go, he is, he was like to me, like I am to you, to one of his players. And, you know, it was just, you know, it made me feel so good. I was like, wow, you know, it, it was real touching and it was real genuine and it was real. It made me think like, yeah, this was all worth it. You know, this was, th- getting into this line of work and doing this kind of work the right way, it was uh, priceless. You know, where can you do get something like that? And, uh, you know, like I said, he's just one of a kind. I was, real, I was really, really proud of him. And that concludes our first episode of Sports Stories. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts. For the most recent updates on the efforts of Patrick Walsh and the rest of the organizations fighting for California high school sports, be sure to follow Sports Stars Magazine on Twitter, at Sports Stars Mag. Plus, a few sports like cross-country, golf, swimming, and tennis are already making their way back. Visit the magazine's homepage at SportsStarsMag.com for new features each week. 
We will also post links to various media related to each sports story's episode. For this week, you can watch video of Walsh's 2019 CIF State Bowl postgame speech, which Coach Lattister spoke about towards the end of the podcast. We also will post a link to Walsh's De La Salle highlight reel. Sports Stories is built using Anchor. You can visit anchor.fm slash sportsstars if you'd like to leave us a voice message about this episode or to suggest one of your own. This episode's audio was recorded and edited by me, Chase Bryson. The cover photo was taken by Dean Coppola. The Sports Stories theme music was mixed and recorded by Dustin Phillips. Check out his renowned cover band, Popular Demand, at sacramentocoverband.com once live music is a thing again. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. I thought you wanted some stories, bro. I have like seven of them. Are you kidding me?